Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansers on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Though Baton Rouge in many ways is slow to change, in recent years there's been a gradual shift in the balance of power. You can see it and feel it with the emergence of several new young firms and new young business leaders who were taking over from the baby boomer generation that preceded them. What are they doing differently, and what are the keys to their success? Today, I'm fortunate to have two guests who belong to this new class of millennial leadership in Baton Rouge to help explore those questions. One such leader is Julie Laparouse, Director of Training at Emergent Method. Founded in 2012, Emergent Method is a management consulting firm owned and run by an ambitious group of millennials that in just six years has grown to become one of the most sought-after consulting firms in the market, with clients that span the government, nonprofit, healthcare, and banking sectors. Julie joined the firm in 2015 after several years at the Baton Rouge Area Chamber and leads a team that helps businesses with leadership development, networking, presentations, and other professional skills. Julie is also a motivational speaker and has published a book, Are You a Screaming Peacock?, which complements her motivational speaking events. And above all, she is a mother of four young daughters. Julie, I don't know how you do it all, but you do it well, and it's a pleasure to have you here on Out to Lunch. Thank you for having me. Joining me and Julie is Brian Jones, Associate Vice President and Director of Gulf Coast Operations for HNTB, one of the country's best-known engineering consulting and construction management firms with a particular expertise in transportation and infrastructure projects. It is in that capacity that HNTB and Brian have become so active in South Louisiana. HNTB is managing construction of the new terminal at Louis Armstrong International Airport. It also spent three years trying to develop a plan for a streetcar along Nicholson Drive here in Baton Rouge near LSU that has since morphed into a mass transit plan that includes North Baton Rouge. HNTB is also spearheading a watershed management plan for the city. Like Julie, Brian juggles his high-profile career demands with an impressive list of volunteer duties. He's chairman of the board of Cristo Ray, and he is also the father of two young daughters. Brian, it's great to have you here today. Thanks for joining yeah, me. Yeah, thanks, Stephanie. Great to be here. Well, Julie, every time I turn around, Emergent Method has another contract, and that's why I wanted to talk to you, you know, and have you on the show. Y'all are involved in everything, and so I want to talk about exactly how Emergent Method got to be the go-to firm in Baton Rouge. We say all the time in our leadership meetings, no one will outwork us. We, um, we know that we're younger, and we've only been around for five years. Uh, but we feel like we will always put in the extra effort. We will stay the extra hour. We'll ask the extra, extra questions. And um, we all really love working together. And so I feel like we have a really good support system on our leadership team and with all of the newer um, associates that we've been able to, been so fortunate to be able to bring into our team. And um, we also, I think, we are so thankful 
for everyone who allows us to work with them. And I think our clients feel that, and that's one of the reasons why we have so many repeat clients. What was y'all's first big break? I mean, I know Nick Spire, was it, was it with the, the Water Institute of the Gulf? The Water Twig, Institute and was... And being tied into BRAF through that and all, I mean, is that, was that the key sort of? The Water Institute uh, was our first big client and we are very proud to say that we have worked with them every month that Emergent Method has been open. And uh, seen them through a CEO change and we recently helped them with a, their latest strategic plan and uh, some team building and it's they are they are a client that we are so proud and that we work so hard to keep because we want to it's part of our legacy and we've also been able to do uh, quite a bit of work with the city parish uh, which has been amazing right now we have a couple of different state agency clients that uh, one of our service lines in IT project management we've really been able to dig in and and uh, make a place for ourselves there and so we're yeah those bigger uh, repeat clients have been like a foundation for us, and then they've allowed us to go out and work with all sorts of other businesses throughout the, the area. Now, Brian, it, it's sort of the same thing with HNDB, which I know is not a homegrown firm, but y'all have been very successful in building up your, you know, your business here and your market presence. How and when did HNTB get to be such a force here? And, and what have been some of your key projects? So this year, actually, um, HNTB celebrates its 55th year uh, in Louisiana. Wow. Um, uh, 55 years ago, uh, HNTB was involved with um, designing and uh, constructing I-10, the Chapelai Basin Bridge from Baton Rouge to Lafayette. Okay. Um, and so that's kind of the foundation of our business. Um, as you mentioned earlier, we're primarily in the transportation space. Um, and Louisiana DOTD um, has been um, really our foundation client in Louisiana for those 55 years and is still um, our largest client in the state today. Um, you know, similar to what Julie said, you know, uh, HNTB is an engineering consulting firm. Um, we, of course, provide technical expertise to our clients. Um, but similar to Emergent Method, um, our business is built around the relationships with our clients. Um, the relationships that are developed um, not only through delivering for our clients, but the relationships that you build personally with those individuals um, at those organizations. You know, uh, we say every day um, in our business that, you know, technical capability aside, you know, HNTB and our competitors are all technically capable of doing the work. Um, but at the end of the day, clients want to work with people that they know, trust, and, and like to be around, um, not only in the workspace, but when you leave work and you're interacting in your communities at home, at church, um, and with your kids. And, I mean, HNTB is an engineering firm, but you all also do a lot of consulting, a lot of, I mean, you're, you're not an engineer, and right? I mean, your right. background is in <laughs> communications. Yeah, 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 my background and, is in government relations. And, 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 and you do a lot of government relations work and community outreach associated with infrastructure projects, right? That's right. Um, so HNTB um, uh, is uh, an engineering firm, and that's the foundation of our business, but we pride ourselves on being much more than an engineering firm. Um, in today's world, um, when government funding is tight, um, there's limited resources in order to develop projects, we're having to help our clients not only deliver the projects that they have in mind, but help them create projects. And um, in large measure by getting them um, publicly approved and accepted by communities. And so that takes significant community engagement expertise. And then also funding those projects and helping your clients and our clients find the funding necessary in this competitive market 
um, to get those projects fully funded and ultimately constructed. And, and Julie, Emergent Method also offers a, you know, a variety of consulting services. And mm -hmm. management consulting is one of those sort of nebulous terms. It can mean a lot of things. And depending on what kind of deliverables and mm -hmm. metrics you use, you know, maybe it's great, maybe it's not. <laughs> what exactly do you all do? And how do you measure you know, success? So it's funny you asked that. Last week, we started a quarterly professional development internally at Emergent Method, and we're all over the place during the day. So instead of having lunch and learns, we're having lush and learns, where we're having <laughs> happy hour professional development. And our topic last Great. week was networking and being out in the community. And our question was, what do you tell people Emergent Method does internally to our team? And one of the best answers that somebody came up with was, you know, I pose a question back to the person and say, at your company, have you ever had a situation where you knew you needed to do something to improve, but you either didn't have the skills or the resources or the time? And everyone says yes, whether that's we need a new website or we really need some customer service training or we need a strategic plan or we need some marketing help. And we say, we do that. <laughs> Almost anything that they answer, we do in some form or fashion. We do special project management. We do strategic planning. We do a considerable amount with the city parish. We recently did a project with them helping to inform residents on the best way to dispose of recyclables, oils, fats, and greases, your woody waste, how to separate those kinds of things. I mean, we're all over the map. Um, you know, I lead our leadership and professional development services. We do um, some specialized project management in the IT space and then also in the coastal space um, with community outreach and public outreach. So we do touch a lot of things, but it, it all kind of falls under that umbrella of things that companies need to do and maybe don't have the internal capacity. How, and this is something, you know, how do you get to be an expert in strategic planning, particularly when you are all relatively young? So... One thing that we really also think has contributed to our success is that we, rare, we, we don't go in and tell people that we are an expert in your industry. Um, we know that. There's, there's no way if you are um, you know, in the medical field or you are in the engineering firm that we can come in and tell you how to be a better engineer. But we feel like we have a lot of really good questions. And we can help you think about what you do every day in a different way. And that's, I think, how we have built our expertise is just asking the right questions. Interesting. Now, neither of you all started out really in, in business planning to be consultants. How did you end up, Brian, where you are, and, and Julie, you too? Yes, yeah, so that's an interesting uh, question, and it was actually asked by a um, uh, prospective employee that I was interviewing this morning, and how did I get to my position at H&TV? <laughs> um, so that question comes up um, uh, fairly regularly, including from my wife, but um, <laughs> I actually was working for Governor Blanco um, after Katrina, um, I started working for the governor the day before Katrina hit. Wow. Um, <laughs> in, in her communication shop and worked um, in the governor's office from uh, August until December um, of that year. A lot Trial of by fire. Huh? A lot of absolutely. A lot of engineering firms were um, coming into the state um, in the aftermath of the hurricane to help the state rebuild. Um, and I actually met an engineering firm, my, my first uh, firm that hired me as a result of Hurricane Katrina. So I often tell people that I would not be in the position I am today had Hurricane Katrina not hit. There so um, there are very few silver linings to Hurricane Katrina. But for me professionally, that's probably one of them because I would not have been in the place that I was um, had the hurricane not um, struck Louisiana. So uh, I started out with a, an engineering firm, Parsons Brinkerhoff, one of the largest sure. engineering firms in the world. 
um, delivering the statewide uh, timed program, the $5 billion transportation program that delivered the Audubon Bridge and the yeah, widening. I was just going to say, you're not <clears throat> responsible for the Audubon Bridge, I hope. Um, no. Well, you know, I'm from, you know, I'm from New <laughs> that Roads. That was not your idea to I'm, build the bridge to nowhere you know, there I, I'm from when point, we needed I'm one fr- so bad closer to here. I'm from Point Capi, so I actually, I'm a fan <laughs> of the Audubon Bridge, d- d- despite all of the criticism. And, you know, and as the communications... Um, I respect you for having the courage to say as that the, on the air, As Brian. the communications lead for that project, <laughs> Um, I had to routinely tell people that the Ottoman Bridge was built to stimulate economic growth, <laughs> not to alleviate traffic congestion. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I'm a fan of the Ottoman the Ottoman <laughs> Bridge project. But, um, but you know, as a result of uh, of that, uh, I was able to grow in the engineering space. Um, and because of my unique relationships and government relations expertise, you know, 95% of our clients are government clients. Okay. Um, and so business development for HNTB is essentially government relations because you're interacting with elected officials and appointed officials who um, are leading their agencies and their governments and their capital improvement um, programs and, and projects that firms like HNTB help them deliver. You're listening to About to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Brian Jones of HNTB and Julie Laprus of Emergent Method. Julie, do you start out wanting to do consulting? Absolutely not. And my colleagues who are listening to this right now will laugh because I regularly tell people I work at a management consulting firm, but I am not a consultant. Okay. <laughs> um, and I probably shouldn't also say this on the air, but I have pretty much zero credentials to do what I do. I, it is 100% been baptism by fire. Um, my training and professional development that I lead all started out because I've been in public speaking all my life. Okay. And the jobs that I had previously, I, I did, was in fundraising for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And then I did um, community relations for a, a commercial real estate firm. And everywhere I went, I would get asked to lead trainings. For internally for the company and then friends of mine started saying well I know you, you did a customer service training for your company could you come do it for mine I know you did a team building for your organization could you come do it for mine and so I started out doing it on the side with very little research or training it was just things that I felt like I had experience in yeah. and I was sharing kind of lessons learned and people took to it and I always did it on the side I always had a full-time gig and did it on the side and that's how Screaming Peacock was born my Um, speaking firm. I would do speaking and training through Screaming Peacock. This July is actually the 10-year anniversary of me starting Screaming Peacock. And and is it still active even while you work at Emergent Method? Oh yes, but now I've sort of split and I do all of my professional development and training through Emergent Method and I just keep my speaking uh, primarily to women's groups. I do a lot of like women's professional groups, junior league sororities and um, but I after I started doing it, then I started doing the research and making sure that I had kind of the, <laughs> the, the let's say, the stake underneath the sizzle for the trainings. And um, now, since joining Emergent Method, we have an awesome team that helps to contribute to, to that and, and sure. build the topics. What is Screaming Peacock referred to? It's a great name. So I have a personality assessment that I do in some of my workshops that tells you what kind of bird you are. <laughs> and I am not just a peacock, but I'm the most peacock that you can possibly be. Okay. <laughs> so Surprise. What would yes. Brian be? <clears throat> Brian's probably a peacock, too, <laughs> okay. if I had to, if I had to, to peg him. But um, 
it's, it's fun, it's lighthearted, and everyone remembers it, kind of back to the networking discussion. No one ever says, oh, you're with Screaming Peacock and doesn't ask another question. There you go. <laughs> well, let's switch gears for a moment, y'all. This is a part of the show we call Another Great Idea. Maybe you've got a friend who's always got a great idea for you. They tell you about a job to apply for or somebody you should have a cup of coffee with or a great investment opportunity to jump on, and you can take the advice, and it turns out to be really great. Or maybe you take the advice, and it turns out to be a disaster. Um, maybe you don't take the advice and you wish you had. Can you all think of an example, a time when this happened, and how did it turn out for you, Brian? You know, I grew up on a farm um, um, in rural Point Capee, uh, and many of my friends and colleagues today still can't believe that that's where uh, I came from and that's my background. The, the fact of me and, and, and the, the, uh, the, the sights of me driving tractors and running <laughs> combines in the summertime um, are often perplexing for them, but... You know, I was very close to my grandfather um, who started the farm and moved uh, his family there um, to Louisiana in the early 1960s. And, you know, he always he always told me, you know, that, you know, relationships are key um, in regardless of any business, um, whether it's rural agriculture or the church that you're involved with or the community organizations that you're a part of. And so just always remember that relationships are the foundation of everything. Um, and that if you maintain good relationships with um, your colleagues, your family, um, your church parishioners, that you know, regardless of kind of the business aspects of things and, and life, you're gonna you're gonna go far. Um, because if if you have strong relationships, if one thing doesn't work out, you can always fall back on on the positive relationships that you have. And so I've always tried to to, to keep that true. Um, and you know, as we were discussing earlier. Uh, and I think Julie would say the same thing about the business that she's in, is we wouldn't be in business if it weren't for the relationships that we have. And we wouldn't wouldn't have routine business and repeat business with these clients that say at HNTB are foundation clients, these 50, 60, 70 year clients, Mm -hmm. um, because they could go anywhere and get the same level of expertise. Um, but the relationships are really the foundation of what we do and, and really are the key to our success. Yeah, that's great. What about you, Julie? Advice? So about two years ago, right after, it's three years now, after I'd had my fourth little girl, I reached a point where I just, I was routinely felt like I was always running. And I, d- I needed to figure out something to kind of better manage the work and the personal and the community involvement. And I was having coffee with a friend of mine, a spot Brian and I both frequent pretty regularly, Magpie uh, Overpass. I asked him what he does, and he said, Julie, he said, I'm going to pass along something that was recently passed along to me. He said, every time you say yes externally, just remember that you're saying no internally. Hmm. He said, you're a person who likes to say yes to people. And when people ask you to get involved in something in the community or give a little bit more for your clients or take on an extra yeah. project, you're inclined to say yes. And, but you have to remember when you're saying that, you're saying no to more time with your kids, your husband, you know, your, your friends and the things that you like to do. So don't think of it as saying yes to them. Think of it as saying no to yourself. And it wow. might help you like flip that around a little bit. And it was, it was very transformational. And I, I, I will not claim that it has <laughs> <laughs> that cured all that ills, done it, right? but it is, it has helped me. I feel like get on a better path of being like confident in that some, you cannot do it all. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to say no and, and, and look at that as saying yes to yourself. That's great. So I'm wondering if you're channeling uh, Carolina because I'm sure that that's <laughs> something that my, that, that my wife would tell me, um, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I was actually reading an article last night and yesterday was the, the 10 year anniversary of uh, Tim Russard's death. 
and wow. um and it's so I, that went yeah, fast. and so i was um uh, reading an article by one of his executive producers and really kind of um they had summarized some of the life lessons that tim Russer um had lived by and had actually written down um in a couple of books and one of them was uh stay disciplined uh in your life and your work balance and so um tim Russert's someone i i, I grew up in the mass communications field and journalism field and so he was somebody that I really respected when I was an intern for John Bro in Washington I got yeah. to actually go and sit on the set of Meet the Press oh, on wow. Sunday with wow. Tim Russert and got to meet him and so it's someone that I've always uh, really respected in the industry and um, so it struck me last night as we were preparing for the show today um, and and reviewing some of the things that that Russert lived by and so it just usually talking about you know what um, what James said at Magpie is, is is very very true and you know for me and uh, and I know for you as well uh, the nonprofits that we're involved in and all of the the tug of war of life from school to extracurricular activities both professionally socially church um, you can you can it's very easy to get caught up in a, a very long list of yeah, things. Well, and to do. it ties back to what you were saying about relationships. When you're friends with your clients and you're right. friends with the people you're on boards with, and you know at your kids' school and your church, it's it's hard to say no and to then your friends. If you're a high energy person and you're involved, yeah. you want to be involved. Yeah, and in if a you lot. care about the community yeah. and you care about mm-hmm. the church and the school and the organizations that you're a part of, um, both new organizations as well as those that are well established, um, they want you and you want them. Um, as well and <laughs> yeah. so it it becomes a delicate dance but you read so much about how with the millennial generation your generation there's so much more emphasis on the live on the work-life balance do you know and how does that inform the choices that you make and and how I mean because you all do work high-powered jobs and long hours I mean are you in the office on the weekends or you know do you say no not to weekends or no not past 5 p.m. or yeah so I think technically I'm um, I think technically <laughs> I think technically I'm a millennial um, we're, we're cuspers we are on the, we're definitely on the cusp <laughs> okay. and so um, you know we sit in a unique spot right mm-hmm. because we're able to look on both sides of the mountain um, and see how um, how things operate and particularly at a firm like HNTB that's now a hundred plus years old um, and is very set organizationally um, in its ways and has a high level of expectation. You know, that's a struggle for us as a company, right? And not, I know we're not alone in that, but how do we um, adjust as um, the working population adjusts? And so I have an appreciation for um, both um, uh, perspectives. Um, and as a young father with two young kids at home, um, I can certainly appreciate the work-life balance. But at the same time, we have an organization to run, a very successful organization that's been successful for 100 plus years. And so we have to maintain that. And we also have to maintain the level of service to our clients. And, you know, and that, that's oftentimes demanding. And if there's deadlines on projects, you know, the expectation is that you're going to meet the deadline or exceed the <laughs> deadline. And if that means working on the weekends or working late at night, you know, that's, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. And we can play video games later. Right. <laughs> but... Um, it's something that we just have to be mindful of. And I, I for me, and in, in client service like we are both in, I, I find it impossible to set a, I'm going to be home at 530 every day, or I'm going to not work. On, it's just the, the nature of the beast. I know in some jobs it might be easier to do that. But for me, I find it easier to look at every week and say, what, when am I going to spend quality time with my kids this week? Like, what is what makes the most sense for me? When am I going to run? When am I going to mm-hmm. see Brian at Tread? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
we and so it's just a week by week and I make sure I mean I had something every night this week and I canceled my stuff on Tuesday night because I said that needs to be my night with my kids and so we you know you just to me it's it's what makes sense right now today in the minute yeah and I've tried to put you know I've, I've always said for the last two years I traveled fairly extensively for the firm was going three to four days a week and I would put the burden upon myself um, the, the travel burden the, the work early work late burden and so I would I would get up early do tread 5:30, but then I was working well before 8 a.m. Um, in order to carve out some time. If I had to leave early at say four o'clock for swimming lessons, I would do that, and then and then, work and then I would come after the after the kids went to bed. I would turn back on and work late for a couple of hours. I think something that is interesting is that the husbands and wives are both balancing these high power demanding jobs and to your point i mean paul works carolina works and you know and carolina has a full-time job she's the equivalent of an hntb office leader she's managing a staff of 40 plus and so it's not fair for me um or fair for her for me to say well you can't do this or i have a job um you know event and and so she and have her compromise her career and her job um, you know for me to do what I need to do and so we have to make sure that we're balancing that I know that's the same with but I think that's really the difference I think it's that mentality that you don't see in older generations you know where maybe a husband would pay lip service to that idea but didn't really believe that as a value and I think you all do, and certainly the men and you know women younger than you mm-hmm. have grown up with that expectation. Yeah, you know, and, and my, my boss and I have had long conversations about that. Um, my, my boss is a, a retired two-star uh, Army general. Um, he now leads H&TB's operations in Louisiana and Mississippi. Um, but his wife was a stay-at-home wife. Um, she chose uh, t- that career, and he supported that. And it, it's not that he doesn't have any appreciation for the modern work-life balance, but it's not something that he that he knows by the life that he's that he's lived and led. He's never had to truly experience this because his wife was always home or available in order to pick up the slack with the children or with the house. And so now, in a two-person working household, two incomes kids running around crazy schedules swimming dance gymnastics yeah the whole deal um you know life has changed and um he and others like him in our firm and other firms are having to face the reality of how do we manage that generation and recognize that it's important um and that we must evolve as a workforce to to meet those um, employees where they are in their life while not comp- compromising the business, but know that if we don't make concessions, we're likely going to lose those employees to firms that are willing Absolutely. to. Absolutely. That's, yeah, back to your point about what's making some firms successful over others these days. A lot of it has to do with um, recognizing that people mm-hmm. want to have a life and, and we value client service and exceeding expectations, but also we want our employees to be happy and stay. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so much more. I wish I had time to talk to y'all about Julie Laprus and Brian Jones. It's inspiring to see young professionals working so hard to make Baton Rouge a better place. And y'all are both doing a great job. So thanks for sharing your stories with me today. And good luck in your continued success. Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks, Stephanie. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Julie Laprus of Emergent Method and Brian Jones of HNTB. 
The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsbatonrouge.la, and on our It's Baton Rouge Facebook page. You can hear this show and past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsbatonrouge.la. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitchell's music is available wherever great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. And by Shewart & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world.